Let's answer it together. You can grade your own test. Be honest. The Lord is looking. That's right. How many authors were there who wrote the scripture? How many authors? Forty authors. Very good. The New Testament was written in Greek. And while we're at there, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That's a bonus for you. There you go. There are how many books in the Old Testament? 39. And what did we tell you? We told you a little trick last week. What was that? 3 times 9 is 27, so there are 27 books in the New Testament. Remember that? 39 and 27, so that means how many in all? 66. Good. What makes a major and minor prophet? The length of the book. That's right. Now for extra credit, who can name the five major prophets? Don't see a lot of points being given out here. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations is included in that. Ezekiel and Daniel. All right. Yeah, y'all better have me with Barney Five doing the preamble of the Constitution there, you know. Yeah, that's what, huh? Yeah. Okay. The oldest manuscripts were found in 1948. They're called the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's exactly right. Now, here's the one I want to see if you really know. What three assignments were you to complete this past week? The number one was what? Separate all your pages in your Bible so you're not embarrassed when you're sitting beside somebody in church and your Bible stuck together. That's right. Now, did y'all do that? Okay. Oh, some of you said my Bible is already opened. I, mean, I didn't have to do that. I heard you. The second, the second assignment was to what? To bring a what? To, no, that was, no, number two was... Oh, well, no, no. Okay, read the first pages of your Bible. Is that what it was? Okay, then, and, and then number three was what? One, one through four, because you're going to be needing that. You're going to be need, needing to know that very well, starting tonight or next week, okay? All right. Now, we're moving on. We're moving on, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Peter, I mean, Second Timothy, chapter 3, verse... 15 through 17. Tonight we're going to focus on identifying the teacher. I shared that briefly with you last week about identifying the teacher and then the first steps of learning how to be able to study uh, God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 17, we come to understand that the Holy Spirit of God is the one who wrote the Word of God. Okay? The Holy Spirit of God is who wrote the Word of God. And it says this. I'm going to back up to verse 14. And you, however, continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture 
is inspired. You need to circle that word. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You'll see on your notes it tells you that the word inspired means God breathed. That God breathed His word upon those who served as the author of the word. But that word originated with God. The word is what God was saying. And He spoke to these chosen people, these chosen instruments, using their personalities, using their education level, using their style to be able to communicate His Word, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, so that we can be confident that what we read is the Word of God. Not that the Bible contains the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Now, why is it important that you know that the Bible is the Word of God versus the fact that the Bible contains the Word of God. Well, if you buy into the thought that the Bible contains the Word of God, then who is it that has the ability to discern what is the Word of God in the Bible and what's not the Word of God in the Bible? I mean, do you have the means whereby you can say, this is the Word of God and that's not the Word of God? I don't think any of us have that ability, do we? Matter of fact, if we had that ability, we would elevate ourselves above God and especially above His Word. We're saying that we're superior to the point that we can identify what is and what is not the Word of God. We don't believe that it contains the Word of God. We believe that it is the Word of God. And that whenever we read it, it's God's Word communicating to us. God's Word speaking to us, speaking to our hearts, speaking to our lives. I want to get you give you one person's testimony who participated in this, and that was Peter. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter, just a few pages over. I want you to hear what Peter says about this inspiration and God breathing upon him. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Here's a person that God used to write Scripture, who walked with Jesus, going to write Scripture. Listen to how he says, or what he says about this experience in verse 20. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Now listen to verse 20, 21. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit are inspired by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Now, now understand, this is a testimony. Okay, that is a word of testimony. That is Peter saying, as a person who has experienced that God breath, that inspiration, hearing and seeing God do something in and through him, he says this, no man has done this. No no man has said this. This didn't originate in any person's mind, but rather it was God who anointed, and God who worked, and God who shared, God who spoke, and we recorded what God gave to us. We were simply instruments writing down what God gave to us. 
And he's sharing the testimony. I mean, he, he's one of the ones who wrote the Scripture. He wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. It's, it's a part of the canon of Scripture. But he says, no credit is to be given to us. Don't look at us. It's all what God did. It's all what the Holy Spirit of God did. As He breathed on us, as He inspired us, and He spoke to us, we had the chance to write that down. We had the privilege of writing it down. But it's all God's Word. It's all God's Word. Now, can I ask you a question? Have you ever had an experience in your spiritual journey where you had something oh, not, not as great as, as whenever a person is writing down the canon of Scripture? But have you ever had an occasion in your life whenever the inspiration of God and God's Spirit spoke to you and God's Spirit gave to you a word of counsel, a word of wisdom, a word that you shared with somebody else? And you knew whenever that happened, you knew that was not of you. Have you ever had that experience? That you knew that what you said was not from your own mind. It wasn't from what you had thought up. It wasn't from what you had learned. It's just the fact that God gave you that word at that time. I've had many, many situations like that whenever I'll counsel with people. And you're sitting there and you're counseling with people and you're praying for God's direction and God's wisdom in that. And whenever I'm counseling with people, sometimes I'll say and give a word of advice or I'll give a word of instruction, some kind of word. And I'm sitting there while I'm doing that. I'm saying, man, that is good. I'm really, I'll say, that is good. And and I know it's good because it's not of me. Matter of fact, I'd like to say, would you wait just a minute let me write that down? Because I want to I remember what I just said because it, it wasn't of me. It was something else that God was doing. His, His Holy Spirit was doing in me. And, and I'm telling you, that's one of the more exciting things in your life whenever you see God do something and you know it's God and He's just using you. I know you probably have a hard time believing this, but... But whenever I was called to preach, I was called to preach my freshman year of college when I was at Mississippi State University. And God got a hold of my life. I was saved at seven, but God got a hold of my life my freshman year I, through Campus Crusade for Christ. And, and I learned how to live the Spirit-filled life. And shortly after that, I began to f- hear God speak to me about going into ministry. Going into, I, was, I was studying to be a... I was in biological engineering, going to go to medical school is what I thought I was going to do. And, uh, and, and God just began to speak to me about, about being in the ministry. And man, I, I was telling God, God, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. It's not that I didn't want to be in ministry. It's just I didn't think I could do it. Because I'm really very, I'm very shy, I'm bashful. I know you don't think that, but I promise you I, I am. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the person in class who never raised their hand, who sat kind of quietly and hoped nobody called on you. Those kind of things. You know, just, I, I was just that way. And so when God's calling me to ministry, I'm like, Lord, Dad, there's no way you can use me. There's no way you can do that for me. But man, I'm telling you, God got a hold of me and he said, he basically said, you're going to do this, son. And I, I finally surrendered and said, Lord, I, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I will do it. And, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will do it. And I told you, I, my, I, I surrendered in April and on May the 30th, my pastor had me preaching. But whenever I got up to preach... I've heard people say a lot of times, well, I got up to preach my first sermon. I had two prepared, and in five minutes, I was through with both of them. You've heard people say that? When I got up, I preached my first sermon. It was 35 minutes. It really was. And it was just, I mean, it was just flowing and what I was saying and sharing. And, 
And the only thing I can remember is sitting down on the front pew after I got through, and I said, wow, this is what you called me to do. This, this is what you called me to do. I didn't know anything else, but he had called me to preach. And I've been doing that for a lot of years. And, and, it, and here's the funny thing. I, I could preach to 10,000 people. It wouldn't bother me to preach 10,000. But I get scared to death doing announcements. Doing announcements are, that's the most nerve-wracking thing, getting up doing announcements or welcomes or something like that. And yeah, I, it just makes me nervous as I can be because it's not preaching. Because God called. And when I stand to preach, I, I know it's what God called me to do. It's what God does. That's a wonderful thing when you have that experience of seeing how God does. And that's what Peter said. Peter said the whole experience of this thing about Scripture is, is this not, it's not me, it's what God did. So you can be confident based on Peter's testimony that he has written the Word of God. Now, since it is written by the Holy Spirit, who is the one who's going to help us to understand what the Bible says? How many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many of you said, well, I just don't understand the Bible. You know, I don't understand Scripture. I, I can't get it. I, I can't put it all together. I, I struggle with that. So, I, you know, I don't read the Scripture as much as I should, and, and I, I, don't, I don't spend as much time there. Many, many believers feel that way. And they say, well, I haven't been to seminary. I haven't, I haven't learned theological words. I haven't learned other things. I, I don't understand. Let me tell you something. God gave us the Scripture for common people to understand it. That's why it was written in Koine Greek. Koine Greek was the, was the language of the common man. All right, the language, of, it was the everyday language. And it was written in Koine Greek so that every person could understand it. Matter of fact, some passages were written in Aramaic because that was the other common language. The scripture was written so that people could read it and understand it and live it. And therefore, it was written for us to know what it says. And how better to know what it says than for the person, the one who wrote it, the person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to live in our life and to be able to teach us. See, it's, it's great we're going to get to go to heaven one day. But whether you know it or not, you might have forgotten it, but it's also great that the Spirit of God lives in your life right now. Man, what a void in my life it would be if the Spirit of God didn't live in my heart and my life. He brings fullness and joy and meaning, purpose into my life right now. And, and a great thing about that is when he's there, he's the one who wrote that scripture. He, he penned it. He knows exactly, not what it just says, he knows exactly what it means. So the one who wrote the scripture lives in your heart, lives in your life. That's why Jesus said these words, turn in your Bibles to John Chapter, let's see, where are we? No, let me look there first. Uh, Hebrews 4, let's look at Hebrews 4.12. I, I forgot that one, but let's look there for just a minute. Hebrews 4.12. He said this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit, of both joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intents of our heart. What did it say about the Word of God? What makes it different than any other book? It is living. It's living. It is active. 
It's at work. In other words, whenever, whenever you read the Word of God, it's not just words on a page, it comes alive off the page. It's a living Word of God that's active. It's sharper than two, any two-edged sword. What's significant about two-edged sword? Well, it can both cut and convict, and it can also heal. It can do two things in your life at the very same time. It can accomplish those kinds of things. great thing about the Word of God is the Word of God is for everybody. It's for everybody. But it's also for each person. Did y'all know that? Your Bible is for every person, but it's for you. That's why, that's why your Bible ought to be precious to you. That's why your Bible... I mean, this Bible that I have right here, I've had it recovered. But this is the Bible that my mother gave to me whenever I started preaching God's Word. I, when I, the very first time I started reading, it's been covered. You know, and the pages are brittle on it, but it's precious to me. Because I spent so much time with it. You, I might not remember where the, where, what verse it is, but I can tell you where it is on the page. I can tell you where the verse is. It's on the left-hand side, up on the top. You know, I, I might not remember where it was, but I can find it in just a minute with this Bible. But you give me your Bible, I'll be lost. If I don't know the verse, I'm lost. I wouldn't know where it... That's why it's so precious, because this is your word. I, I wouldn't take $10,000 for this Bible. Now, if you come up here with $10,000, I, I really wouldn't take it for that, unless I was through preaching, and I'm not planning on being through till Jesus comes. Amen? Because this Bible is that important to me. It's a personal letter to me. Did you know that your Bible is a personal love letter to you? It's God's love letter to you. Do, do you know, I feel like I'm one of the most blessed people in the world because I got to live in I got to live in an era and then I get to live in a different era. For instance, I, I, whenever Lynn and I were dating, we didn't have cell phones, emails, or anything like that. The only way we communicated was by letter writing. I was in seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. She's back in Mobile. And you couldn't afford to call. You could only do that one time a week. You people remember that? One time a week you could afford to call. I mean, long distance. So what'd you do? Letter write. She'd send it to me, and I'd send it back to her and send it to me. I hated when holidays came. You had, didn't get one in the mail. You come back and forth. We still have those letters. You still, and you remember what you did with love letters? Now, for those of you who all you've ever gotten was a, was a text, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. If all you ever got is a text or email or somebody, that's just not anything much about a text. You know, I mean, well, text this. A letter, a love letter was special. Did you know that? And for those of you who had received love letters, whether that was in school or wherever that might have been, do you remember what you did with that love letter? Remember what you did with it? You read it. Every word. And you read it again. And you said, what is he really trying to say? And then when you couldn't think of anything else to do, oh yeah, I got that love letter that I could read again. And you're reading that love letter. And it makes you feel so, because that person loves you. And writing and expressing that they love you. And it's for you. That's what God's Word is. That's exactly what the Bible is. It is God's love letter to you. Written to you. Not just written to everybody. Written particularly for you. And He knows exactly what you need to hear, exactly when you need to hear it, 
and He can cover everything and anything in your life. There's not one thing He doesn't know about and one thing that He can't minister to in your life all through that Word of God. Because it's the living, active Word of God. Now, let's look at that passage I wanted you to look at a while ago. In John chapter 16, verse 13. These are the words of Jesus. When He's talking about the Holy Spirit who is going to come. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he says this in chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose it to you. What did Jesus say the Spirit of truth is coming to do? He's coming to teach you all things. He's coming to equip you with all things. He's coming to give you everything. Now, whatever he says, all things, what does that mean? It means this. It means everything you will need whenever you need it. Everything you're going to need whenever you need it. God may not give it to you to put in your pocket so when you will need it, God just makes it available to you at the point in time when you do need it. You've seen people go through experiences in life and they'll say this, I do not know how that person can handle that tragedy in their life. I don't know how. Do you know how they do it? Because God gives to them what they need when they need it. Do you know how you'll be able to handle the difficult things in your life? Because God will give to you all that you need when you need it. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God comes to do. That's what the Word of God is all about. To give to you everything you need when you need it. And how precious that is. And and we don't need everything at one time, do we? We need Him to just continuously grow us. It's called progressive revelation. Write that down. Progressive revelation. You know what progressive revelation is? It is in a progress of growing that He reveals more and more to you. More and more to you. And, and that's what it needs to be. That you, you couldn't handle it all at one time. You couldn't handle all of that at one time. You have to take it a little by little. Let, let me give you an illustration of that, what I mean. Whenever you went to the first grade, and you were in the first grade, unless you're the most, one of those most intelligent people we know, when your teacher gave you your first math, our first addition, uh, or whatever problem going to be, did they give to you a calculus problem? I mean, did they give you some kind of calculus problem or some kind of geometry problem? Did they say that, now you better make an A on this or you're going to have to go back to kindergarten? Did they say that to you? No. How did you start out? You started out learning that that's the number one and, and the following the number one was the number... Boy, you are a brilliant group of people. I'm telling. And, and it goes to three, and, and, and then you go up there, and then you, you begin to learn that you can add those things together, that one and two equals three. Ooh, man, I'm telling you, a smart group here. Yeah, maybe y'all were those calculus people in the first grade. Who knows? But anyway, you, you got that, and this is, this is what you have, and you grow it. And, and you, boy, when you get math, addition mastered, you think, I, I've, got, I've got the world by the tail. Then they bring out subtraction. And then they bring out multiplication. You remember those multiplication tables? I remember you had to stand 
We always had competitions of who could do it fastest. Did y'all ever have that? You'd stand by the other one and they'd give you the problem. And if you got it right, you'd get to keep standing. If you didn't, you had to sit down. I sit down most of the time. You remember that? You remember that? And maybe we just had to practice multiplication tables. And we thought, well, if you got multiplication tables, that's all you need. No, you got division. Right? And, and then, bless the Lord, oh my soul, when you got geometry. I remember still in the 10th grade. I hate geometry. I hated geometry. That, that, that's just, all those theorems and all that stuff, that's just, that's, that's just crazy stuff. Sines, cosines, all that stuff. You know, the Lord knew I was not to be a math teacher. Thank you, Kim. I know you're back there. But he, he wanted me to do something else other than that. And then I finally got to calculus when I was in college. And bless the Lord, oh my soul, I passed calculus. Thank you. Thank God for His grace and His mercy. But I would have never, ever had the opportunity to get to calculus if I'd have got it in the first grade. It's called progressive revelation. I needed to learn the ABCs of the numbers before I could learn all of the different things you could do with the numbers. That's exactly right. God doesn't need to give you the deepest things of theology when you're not ready for that. He needs to give you the things that are going to help you where you are. And then as you do, you, you learn more and you learn more and you learn more. You know, that's what's fun about studying God's Word. You take a passage of Scripture, you look at that passage, and you think, boy, I, I understand everything about that passage. Till you come back a few weeks or months later, look at that passage, and you see something totally different than you saw in that passage before because there's something different that you need to see and something you need to understand. And you realize this thing just keeps moving. Keeps moving and changing. Why is that? Because it's the living Word of God. You got it? So you will never master it, but hopefully it will master you. Amen? As it begins to influence your life. I I want to show you a great verse of Scripture. You need to underline this. It's in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. And I really, I want you to claim this for me, all right? I want you to claim this for me in your own life. Listen to me just a second before we read it. Never ever say this. Never say this. I can't understand God's Word. Just don't say that, all right? If you're saved and the Holy Spirit of God lives in your heart life, you can understand God's Word. That's based on, not my word to you, it's based on the promise of God. If God makes a promise to you, has He ever lied? No. If God makes a promise to you, you can bank on it. And matter of fact, you can go before Almighty God. He wants you to do this. You can go before God and claim that promise. Lord, you said this. You said this to be true. And I'm believing what you said to be true. All right? Here's a great promise about understanding God's Word. Listen to what it said in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 27. He says, and as for you, stop there for just a minute. The you he's talking to are believers. They're people who've given their heart to Christ. They're children of God. And he's writing this letter to them. It's not just everybody. They're children of God who are saved, who now have the Holy Spirit of God living in their life. Listen to what he said. And as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. Stop there just say it. The anointing that you receive from Him abides in you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember whatever John, in John chapters 14, 15, 16, read them when you get home. 
he introduces to them that he's going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send to them another helper, likened to himself, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God. We just read that passage in John 16 where he says, and when this Holy Spirit comes, or the Spirit of truth comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. Remember him saying that? He's going to lead you into all truth. So the anointing one, or the anointing he's talking about, is the Holy Spirit. It goes back to whenever Jesus, uh, John says, I am baptizing you with water, but whenever he comes, he's going to baptize you with fire, and with what? And with the Spirit. You remember that? The anointing of God, the Spirit of God is coming upon you. So listen to what he says again, verse 27. And as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. That means the Holy Spirit lives in your life. He does. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. Now what is he saying? When you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life, when you have the anointing of God in your heart, in your life, He has come to be your teacher. He has come to be your teacher. And He is the best teacher there is because... He wrote the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. He can explain to you the Word of God. He can open up your mind to understand and grasp the truths of the Word of God. He's the greatest teacher there is, and He's your personal tutor. He's right there with you to teach you. So, hold on a second. That's why I don't want you to ever say, I can't understand God's Word. I just can't understand God's Word. Don't say that. Don't say that. God already told you you can't understand His Word because why? The Holy Spirit of God was given to you. So this is what you do. I do this. I have done this for 40-something years, okay? For 40-something years I've done this. I will do this tomorrow, okay? This is what, this is what I say for God, this Word that you have given us is so awesome. It's so powerful. It is so precious. But I have no hope of understanding it without the Holy Spirit being my teacher. Now I ask you, Holy Spirit of God, who wrote this Word of God, to help me to understand this Word of God, not only for everyone, but for me. For me. And I'm here to tell you, whenever you claim that promise, and you hold on to what God said He will do, He opens up the Word of God. It's, a, it's absolutely amazing how he opens up the Word of God. You will see things you never had seen before, and you'll grasp things and put things together, and he puts that puzzle together you've never seen. Why? Because he wants you to know his Word. He wants you to be transformed by his Word. He wants you to be empowered by his Word. He, he may want you to even share his Word with somebody else. But you have the greatest teacher right inside your heart, and in your life. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't go to Sunday school anymore? No. Does that mean you shouldn't listen to the preacher anymore? Of course not. <laughs> but you know what it does mean? That all of us are responsible for our spiritual lives. 
And that every day we need to be taken in nourishment. The daily bread that God would give to us, that we'd understand it. And what a liberating thing it is to know, to know that He is that teacher. And when you get up and leave and you go home tonight, He's going right with you. Okay? He's going right with you. And whenever you lie down in bed tonight, he's, he's still right there with you. In the morning when you get up, he's there with you. you will, there, there is no time he will not be with you. For Jesus said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You say, oh, Brother Mac, you don't know how bad I can be. Well, you're right. I don't know how bad you can be. But you're not so bad that the Holy Spirit will ever depart from you. Now, he may convict you. He may bring grief in your life because you're grieving him. You may quench what he wants to do in your life, but he'll never leave you. And he's always ready to teach you. And what a wonderful thing that the one who wrote the Word of God is the one who teaches us the Word of God. Listen to that statement there. The promises of God would assure believers that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher and enable us to comprehend his Word. Comprehend and also to apply his Word. Now, on the back, very quickly, and we're finished. On the back, the principle of asking questions. This is the first thing that you need to learn about Bible study. The principle of asking questions. Listen to the statement. The most important element of good Bible study is to ask questions of the passage one studies. The better a student is at asking questions, the better he or she will be at dissecting a verse and discovering the rich treasures contained in the Word. Stop there just a second. The better you are at asking questions, the better student of God's Word you're going to be. Matter of fact, if you're really a good person and you ask a lot of questions, you're going to be pretty intelligent. Intelligent people typically ask questions. My daughter, whenever she was little, I knew she was going to be brilliant. I did. I knew she was going to be brilliant. She is brilliant. But do you know how you she's going to be brilliant? Because she was the child who could ask the most questions you could ever imagine about everything. I'll never forget, I was out working on the, on the farm, and I was out there building a cattle pen, and she was out there with me, not helping. She was just out there with me. She's about seven or eight years old, something like that. About seven or eight years old, and I'm sitting here holding boards, nailing boards, doing everything, and the whole time she's asking questions. Well, why are you doing that? Well, what's the reason for this? When is it? I mean, it's just a question. And I'm asking, trying to answer. I mean, I finally said, would, would you just go in the house for just a few minutes and ask your mama some questions so I can rest my brain? I can't hit this nail and answer questions like you ask all the time. So she meanders in the house, and I'm sure she asks questions out there. Before long, she's coming right back. And I, she had some new questions she wanted to ask. She didn't ask questions. Let me tell you, that's exactly what you need to do when it comes to the Word of God. When you see the written Word of God, you want to ask questions. Now, what are the basic questions, typical questions? Who, what, when, where, why, how? Right? You know those questions? Okay. Those are the typical questions. There's other questions that you'll get to and you'll see. But what we want to do is we want to take a passage... And we want to see how many questions we can ask from that small passage of Scripture. Now, I know a lot of times you think, well, Brother Max is the slowest preacher in the world. 
I mean, he takes a verse of Scripture and he'll preach all day on one verse of Scripture. You know what I mean? He don't preach on five chapters. He preaches on one verse of Scripture. He just does this all the time. Well, one thing, that's job security. You know? <laughs> I mean, if I, if I preached it all, you'd fire me. So if I, you know, if I preached it all in just a year, I'd be done. It'd be over. So it's, it, part of it's job security. But, but, but the other thing is this, what? The other thing is, is that whenever you begin to ask questions and you begin to see things and understand things and, and, and it just becomes so full, you can't quickly move on. You can't quickly move on. And, and, and so you just sit there trying to figure out and put this together, of what all of that, you have to ask questions. So we're going to take a small passage of Scripture and, and we're going to work on that. We're going to work on it together, okay? The first one, we're going to work on it together, right? Which means yes. All right, we're going to work on it together. So what's that passage? The passage is down here. It is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Have you ever heard that passage before? Have you ever heard of that passage? Where did you all hear that passage before? Because you're supposed to what? Read it last week. So you're already familiar with it. Okay, I'm sure you've already asked a bunch of questions about it. All right, so I'm giving you a head start. This is the passage we're going to deal with. Now, look at how this works. Here's the flow of the process. You ask questions... And just ask the question. Write them down. Any question you can imagine, write it down. Right? Don't try to answer it. Just write it down. Anything you might know. Well, who is that? What, is, what does that word mean? Why is that put there like that? Anything you want to ask, okay? You write those down. Don't try to answer it. Don't try to answer it. Second thing, identify the sources for the answer. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to help you to understand Whenever you ask a question, where do you find the answer to that particular question? What, what tool that you go to, where do you go to find out what would be the answer to that? If there is an answer to that, where do you find it? We're going to learn about those tools. Search those tools and find the answers. And then we're going to categorize the answers into areas such as historical, theological, geographical, word study, practical, applicable etc. We're going to put those all in categories. And then we're going to put all of those pieces together and we're going to see what that word says and put the meaning and, and all the order together and then we're going to talk about how you share it. If you want to share it with somebody, what are the different means and how do you share what you have learned? So, this is your assignment for next week, alright? Now you cannot do this, you cannot do this five minutes before you walk in here next, next Wednesday night. Did y'all hear that? You cannot do this five minutes. I better not see you out there on one of them chairs out there before you come in. Writing down quickly about three questions. I, if you come in here with three questions, you fail. You're fail. You're gonna, you don't even have a pop test. You don't even get to take the test. You just fail. All right? It's going to be more than three questions. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to go through and I want you to ask every question you can think about. Just write them down. Write them down. Don't answer them. Just write them down and bring them back. Now, I've already, I've already done this, but I'm going to do it again with you. Is that fair? Yeah, you're a good teacher, Brother Matt. I'm going to do this with you. I'm so compassionate toward you. I'm going to go back through it. I'm going to ask all the questions again, once again. Because I want to be working with you through this. Because what? It's the living Word of God. And He may have something new He wants me to hear. Something new He wants me to see. Something new He wants me to share. So your assignment is to what? Ask questions, write them down.
And if you'll do a good job, you'll find out how this thing comes alive to you and how you'll understand God's Word. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Bless us as we seek to know your Word and be changed and transformed by your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.